coaching helps learning. It helps fill the gap between the training and the action that's needed to take on that training. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 340, which features a conversation with Jen Louie. Jen oversees career development and conferences at the School Nutrition Association. She's also an executive and career development coach and deeply interested in the intersection of coaching and learning. Jen and Salisa talk about pandemic-driven portfolio changes, the power of peer sharing, cohort-based learning, and the importance of truly understanding your learners and how you can best serve them. They also discuss coaching as a natural complement to training. Near the end of their conversation, Jen references an article she wrote for Leading Learning on how learning businesses might incorporate coaching into their portfolios. After listening to this episode, we encourage you to read that article, which you can find by visiting leadinglearning.com episode 340. Salisa and Jen spoke in December 2022. Talk a little bit more about the School Nutrition Association and the work that it does and maybe a little bit more about your role there. Sure. So uh, the School Nutrition Association has over 50,000 amazing members who work in school nutrition programs across the country. And it's everyone from the person who's working on the cafeteria line, serving kids lunches and breakfasts every day, to the menu planner in the school district, to a procurement expert, to the director who is overseeing an entire program for a district. In addition, our members are, are the industry people and partners who serve food and supply equipment and technology to the school nutrition programs. So that's a pretty robust group of people and at different education levels as well. So it certainly makes it a challenge for us when we are trying to create a learning portfolio to reach that many people with different training options. And I guess my role is to give our members the training they need to succeed on the job and grow professionally. That's interesting when you're talking about the diversity represented among your membership and the how that can create a little bit of complication around the delivering training and education. Maybe to give us a little bit more insight into that, would you talk a little bit about what the portfolio of learning offerings looks like at SNA? Maybe things like how many offerings a year and how many people you tend to serve annually, just some sort of highlights to give us a sense of those offerings. Absolutely. So our learning portfolio is built around professional standards or core competencies that it takes to operate a successful school nutrition program. And I think our secret sauce is this mix that we have of instruction and the ideas that people can share that work. So those practical ideas they use in programs across the country. Like most associations, we offer a mix of in-person, self-paced, and virtual conferences. We have about four in-person conferences that continue to grow and do incredibly well for us post-pandemic. So we're still seeing that major need for in-person. 
In addition, virtual conferences, self-paced learning, lots of successful webinars. We have a flagship program called Lead to Succeed, which is a training program on leadership and communication that we built in partnership with Georgetown University Business School professors. And it's a combination of their theory and practical case studies of what happens in school districts across the country. So issues, leadership challenges, and it's self-paced, but there is also a trainer network. So our trainers go out and train people across the country on this program. Wonderful. Thank you for giving us a little bit more detail about what you offer. And you began to get into it in what you were sharing about the portfolio there, but I'm assuming that the pandemic affected your portfolio as it did essentially all learning businesses. And so I'm just wondering if you have kind of pandemic driven changes that you're rolling back, or if you have pandemic driven changes that you're keeping and making a part of your ongoing portfolio. And just if you've seen any kind of new or emerging needs from learners as the pandemic happened and now as we're emerging from the pandemic. The pandemic rocked our world. <laughs> we had a definite education strategy pre-pandemic. And then uh, most people don't know this, but when schools closed during the pandemic, kids still had to eat. So our members were out there serving kids food outside schools. They had to find new ways to deliver food to kids across the country. They needed to figure out how to package the foods so that there was social distancing, minimal touching. And so they really had to change their entire operations. In addition, many of our members are older and they still were out there serving kids. So we put a pause on some of those big picture strategic initiatives and from an advocacy perspective and a professional development perspective, which are our two co core competencies, we supported our members. We really needed to help them through this. And I think one thing that we learned during the pandemic was there is no roadmap. There isn't one solution. It's, you can't just do a perfect little training course to be like, here's how you can get through a pandemic. So they, we brought them together to learn from each other. We brought outside experts where we could, but so much was around, okay, how are you doing this? How are you planning a menu when, you know, half the school needs to be, the district needs to be served here, et cetera. So a lot of sharing of ideas and we've kept that. We've kept that idea sharing, the learning from each other more than ever, because now what they're dealing with are supply chain challenges and staffing challenges. And there's certainly no roadmap for that as well. So it sounds like you already had that emphasis on success and sharing success cases, but that the pandemic really encouraged you to kind of double down on that and let your learners share with one another, do that idea sharing, talk about what they're struggling with and maybe what's working so that others could adapt or, or borrow that tactic or approach. Exactly. And I think what the pandemic did is a couple of things that were incredible for us. Pre-pandemic, we had a hard time getting a lot of members to virtual training. If you think about it, the people who are serving kids in a cafeteria are not necessarily at a computer all day, but the pandemic forced 
everyone to embrace virtual learning and virtual meeting. So we were able to do so much more in the virtual space and reach so many more people within our membership. So that's obviously something that we've kept. And success of virtual conferences, things that we never thought could work as well for as broad an audience are working well. So of course we're continuing those. And we built some great standalone virtual conferences and training and we're continuing to do that at the point of need for the members. Now, I know that one other thing that happened during the pandemic, this is less about SNA, more about you personally, is that you decided to pursue the Associate Certified Coach credential. I believe that's the right credential. Is that right? I call it the ACC. Sure. Yes. (laughs) So just talk a little bit about what prompted you to go down that path. I think during the pandemic, a lot of people reevaluated sort of their mission, right? Like what was their purpose? And for me, I've always wanted to be a coach and had the time to actually take some classes. And what was so interesting for me after taking all these coaching classes is in addition to helping me become a coach, they helped me become a better manager, a better learning expert, and a better parent. So it was very interesting. And so I really value the fact that I was able to take the time to do all of that then. It's interesting. You said that you always had wanted to be a coach. Do you remember what originally inspired you or what sort of drew you to coaching? I think I have been a manager and leader of people for a very long time. And watching people identify their strengths, maximize their strengths, give feedback so they can progress is something that is very rewarding. As someone who listens to the Leading Learning Podcast, you should know about the Leading Learning Newsletter, which you can subscribe to at leadinglearning.com slash inbox. The newsletter is inbox intelligence for learning businesses and helps you understand the latest technology, marketing, and learning trends and grow your learning business. Best of all, it's a free resource. As a subscriber, you'll get leading links, our monthly curated collection of resources to help you grow the reach, revenue, and impact of your learning business. The Podcast Digest, a monthly summary of podcast episodes released during the previous month plus periodic announcements highlighting leading learning webinars and other educational opportunities designed to benefit learning business professionals. Subscribe for free at leadinglearning.com slash inbox. And if you're already subscribed, point a colleague to leadinglearning.com slash inbox. I'm curious to know, though, how do you define coaching and you know, you mentioned how it's already, you know, it's helping you with parenting, it's helping you with managing. And I'm thinking that often good teachers use coaching techniques. And so I'm especially interested in how you define coaching, but maybe also sort of how you distinguish it from teaching or facilitation. That's a really great question. And there's definitely overlap between teaching, facilitation and coaching. However, coaching to me is helping people articulate their values uncover a new awareness, address some limiting beliefs sometimes, getting a better understanding about themselves. And then once they've uncovered that type of awareness, creating a path forward toward their goals and then helping them 
be accountable to themselves for achieving those goals. So it's a long-term process that is built around asking powerful questions to, to drive awareness. Whereas with teaching, you often have an expert who is helping transfer knowledge and based on their expertise, you're learning. As a coach, you don't necessarily have the expertise the person has. Your expertise is in helping that person get some self-awareness. And then facilitation often happens in groups, right? Coaching can happen in groups or at the individual level. And facilitation often has a very targeted goal. You know, you could facilitate a strategic plan or you could facilitate, you know, what the big priorities, but there's a, I think there's a real beginning and end to facilitation. So it sounds like coaching is sort of this less defined, bigger picture endeavor in your mind. But then, of course, learning could then become part of what coaching might lead the coachee towards is, you know, based on now this better awareness of their own interests and values, maybe now here go out and learn X or Y or Z. Absolutely. And I think that coaching, if you think about it from a learning perspective, Coaching helps learning. It helps fill the gap between the training and the action that's needed to take on that training. So it's almost like supporting the behavior change or helping address the forgetting curve that we have as part of a training program. And so I'm curious, what possibilities do you see for coaching to be part of a learning business's portfolio. And I'm thinking, as you began to get into just there, in terms of kind of benefits in general, but maybe also some specific ways that a learning business could really like incorporate a coaching offering, a coaching product or service in its line of business. I think there's so many opportunities for coaching and learning businesses. So I think that the most obvious place to start is offer coaching classes. Coaching is a big buzzword right now. So helping managers become better coaches, as an example. Another simple way is offering your members or your clients access to coaches or even certifying your own coaches. That's another possibility. I think the areas that are really interesting for learning businesses are a mix of coaching and training or coaching and consulting. So the sort of coach consulting model where you take an expert and their expertise is combined with helping drive new awareness and asking powerful questions of the people who are learning is a very effective strategy. And I will say we're doing that at SNA. We, I'm such a believer in coaching that we are working with a learning expert to help us uncover what we could be doing better. Like where are we, where do we need to improve in our education strategy? What are we doing internally that could be enhanced so we get to better results? And what's so incredible about this is even though we've just had a few sessions, we're acting on it right away because we have ownership over the decisions. We're not waiting on a recommendation. We're coming up with the recommendation in combination with the expert. So for example, 
one thing that we uncovered through this process is we have our education department and then we have our content department. Why wouldn't we work together more closely to have a better, more cohesive content strategy? And so we've immediately acted on that and found ways to be more efficient. So that's one model. The other one is a combination of instruction and coaching. We, we talked about the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers. They have a neat model where they had some self-paced courses, some coursework that people did on their own, and then they came together with a coach to or a trainer, right? This is the whole coach instruction, co- instruction coaching idea where the coach or trainer then asks questions about where they're having issues and they problem solve together. So it's blending the experts and using a coaching approach to the learning process. I think those are both really interesting models, that idea of combining the coaching with consulting and combining coaching with training. And I especially like this idea of it kind of coaching sort of filling a gap, really sort of helping with the implementation or the actual doing that can be associated with learning, but sometimes is stymied for whatever reason. Um, In terms of the potential benefit for learners and or the benefits for the learning business, by adding coaching, what do you sort of see as the net positive effect that might come from from that? I think the net positive from that is accountability. So instead of a learner taking a class and then um, sometimes the training fizzles right after that, the coaching will help the training last. So I think that it has more powerful impact, especially in areas that are more soft skills. So for example, conflict management, leadership, you can take a class in that, but so much of what you do in those areas are ingrained and require changing habits. So coaching can really support that. I think that's a great point that that idea of accountability and it also to me speaks to this idea of learning not being the event. If you have the coaching that's more ongoing, it sort of helps serve that as that point of reference, the fact that like, th- this isn't over. You still have work to do in order to apply these the skills and knowledge that, that you've acquired through a learning experience and coaching then is there to help make sure that it happens and then to help deepen that learning too, I would think. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great way to put it. It adds depth to the learning and it personalizes the learning as well. Oh, personalization. That's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up, but it does make sense that coaching often being that one-on-one then is going to help that learner really make the connection to their specific needs, their specific situation, and it will be much more targeted to what they're dealing with, which seems like a great way to deal with personalization since we know that is just such an important factor in making learning as effective as possible. Definitely. And I think it could also apply to groups. So you could have a group cohort 
for example, you could have a coach with a cohort of about, you know, 10 to 15 people, perhaps, where they're the coach is facilitating the learning. So it doesn't always need to be individual, but I still think that adds an element of personalization. Absolutely. That's a good point that it doesn't necessarily have to be the one-on-one that the a cohort approach could work very well. And again, that just takes me back to some of what you were sharing with what SNA is doing in terms of really just putting members, putting learners together to really talk about what they're dealing with and what successes they're having and what they're trying and all of that. It seems like, of course, in that coaching context as well, you could have very fruitful peer-to-peer cohort-based discussions of topics and issues that need to be addressed. Absolutely. And we've definitely tried the cohort-based learning. We just finished up a year-long supply chain cohort that was really effective in helping them share ideas and helping us come up with some solutions as well. We always like to ask folks who come on the Leading Learning Podcast about their own lifelong learning habits. And so do you have specific habits or sources or practices that you use to continue to grow and develop professionally? And then, of course, I'd be interested to know what role coaching might play in your own lifelong learning. Well, Salisa, you know, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, and I think this is my favorite question. I love hearing what people say about this one. So obviously, I read a lot and I I love podcasts like these. But in addition, I think a couple of ways I love to learn is through writing. So for example, when you all approached me to write about the intersection of coaching and learning, I jumped on it because writing allows you to really research a topic in depth and think through how you want to organize your thoughts around it. And so I love to write because that really helps me think through a topic and research it. It forces me to think deeply. So I love that. Additionally, through my coaching endeavors, I have found some really great books that I go back to pretty regularly that I recommend to my clients, but I also use pretty regularly in, you know, for my own personal development. So the ones that I recommend are Atomic Habits by James Clear, really helpful in terms of habit forming. People looking for to figure out kind of where they want to go next with their career. Like The Long Game by Dory Clark is pretty fascinating to me. And then for my clients who have this sort of ongoing inner chatter and inner critic, certainly Chatter by Ethan Cross is a great book. So what I do is with my books, I write all over them. I go back to them. I pull out some quotes. And so that's really a great way to learn as well. Well, thanks for those specific titles. It is always fun to know which books people recommend. And as it sounds like in your case, don't just recommend, but go back to and continually refer to and sort of mine again and again. And we were lucky enough to have Dory Clark on the podcast in the past, so we can make sure to link to that in the show notes. You know, we've covered a lot of ground between what SNA is doing and the pandemic and your personal move into coaching, a little bit about your own lifelong learning habits. Is there something else that we haven't yet had a chance to talk about that comes to mind? Well, I think that, you know, one thing that we could talk more about is 
what our learners are looking for right now. You know, post-pandemic, we rebranded the professional development department to be career development. And we did that because we're conscious of the fact that our members are coming to us for growth in their careers and for training that will really help them on the job. So I think where we're going next is really digging into our target audiences and looking at career pathing. The other piece that we're noticing, at least in school nutrition, is lots more new people coming into the profession. So we are doing more introductory and basic training, which is interesting and exciting to have new people come in. And then I don't know if this is true for your listeners, but certainly for our members, a focus on mental health is Mm. such a priority, both for themselves and when they're leading teams. There's really, with staffing challenges going on right now and all the uncertainty in the world, we're seeing that mental health needs to be a focus at most conferences that we offer and even doing some dedicated series on this topic. Those are all really interesting points. I'm glad that you brought them up. The shift from or the rebrand from professional development to career development, how did that bubble up to the surface? Was there a particular piece of data or an exchange that happened that sort of made you and others at SNA realize and go, huh, you know, really, this should be career development. That's what we're about. It really came about during our strategic planning process and thinking about the way forward for school nutrition. I also think when we're talking about careers, career paths these days are definitely not linear. You have people coming into careers at different points in their their journeys. So helping people understand what they need at a specific level is really important. So I think that's really how we got to that decision. Well, that's great. I think that's a win from a strategic planning process. You were able to have that level of insight and that shift and just that acknowledgement, because it sounds like it's had impact already on what you're offering and doing, but it, and it sounds like it will continue to have impact on how you think about serving your learners going forward. Most definitely. And I think a big part of that is a some new research we're embarking on really trying to understand our members better. Like I mentioned earlier, we have such a diverse membership, not only in terms of roles, but even where they are. So we'll have rural districts, urban districts, small districts, large districts, and those types are almost like completely different entities. So trying to figure out who we're serving and how best to serve them is really important. Jen Louie is Vice President of Career Development and Conferences at the School Nutrition Association and an Executive and Career Development Coach. You can find links to the SNA website and Jen's LinkedIn profile in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 340. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 340, you'll also find a link to the article Jen wrote on ways a learning business might incorporate coaching. Read it and take time to reflect on whether adding coaching to your portfolio might provide value for your learners and your learning business. And we'd be grateful if you would rate the Leading Learning Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you find the show valuable. Salise and I would personally appreciate it, and those ratings help us show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Go to leadinglearning.com slash apple to leave a rating. And please spread the word about leading learning. 
You can do that in a one-on-one conversation with a colleague or a personal note, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 340, you'll find links to connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks for listening and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Podcast.